and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. And I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast, so whether you're watching for the first time or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary on the show from a 21st century lens. Thanks for listening. Now, on to the episode. It's another bonus episode, The Twilight Saga Eclipse. Kara's fame. Of all the bonus episodes we do, I just know that you love covering Twilight. <laughs> I mean, honestly, um, you're not wrong, Steph. <laughs> Watching these movies with you has been enjoyable. I know you and I had hoped to watch this movie in person. Uh, we Oof. are we're recording this episode uh, at the very beginning of 2023 after the holidays, even though it's not going to come out for quite a while, I think, right? Oh, I don't, they're not going to hear this till like May, <laughs> I think. Yeah. So Steph had hoped to come to Thunder Bay during the holidays and we were going to see each other for the first time in like 14 years. And that has not happened. <laughs> but we did watch Twilight Eclipse together as we have watched the previous two movies and honestly, this this is the only way I want to watch Twilight from now on, Steph. Yes, together, both of us in our, I don't know, I'm in my basement. I don't know where you are in your house. But uh, <laughs> over FaceTime, just taking in some Robert Pattinson bliss. Uh, you and I chatted a lot more during this one than we did for the other two. Maybe because I wasn't on the treadmill. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we hadn't talked for a little bit. So that was, that mm-hmm, was part mm-hmm. of it, too. I think we were just enjoying each other's company. Yeah. I also feel like this movie... I know you said that this is your second favorite of the series. Correct. I, so I haven't made up my mind yet. We'll see if I've made up my mind by the end of this episode. I feel like this movie, I'm not trying to say it was boring because I don't think it was as boring as New Moon, but I feel like it was easy to talk over what was going on without losing sight of the plot. Yeah, and it's uh, it's a chatty movie. It's it's a, lots of conversations. Bella and Edward, Bella and Jacob, Bella and Charlie, it's like there's lots of chatter going on. Uh, not as much as New Moon, really, but it's true. The key points of the plot you and I paid attention to, but then it was very easy for you and I to meander into our own conversations, for sure. But mm-hmm. the reason this is my second favorite movie is because I just think overall, when you think about the whole series, once you watch the whole all five movies, Cara, you can be a decider as well. But when you watch the entire series as a whole, this movie is the second most action-packed. And it has a very clear build-up to an action ending, right? So I think the first Twilight was odd. (laughs) New Moon was a downer. And you and I had a lot of things to say about New Moon. So between the three out of all of them, this, this one is probably the best one out of the three. Interesting. Um, I I think I agree it's better than New Moon. Maybe there was novelty to the first Twilight movie that I enjoyed that wasn't here in this movie. And I I think there are parts of the plot of this movie where I'm just like, oh, this doesn't make much sense. But then again, it is Twilight. So (laughs) what do I expect? Would you like to hear my summary of Twilight Eclipse? Yes, yes, yes. 
Bella is graduating high school and continues to beg Edward to turn her and fuck her. <laughs> As Edward and Bella bat a marriage proposal back and forth like a game of tennis, Victoria, who's looking a little different in this film, assembles an army of ravenous newborns who are apparently stronger than regular vampires for <laughs> some reason. Uh, the representatives of the Volturi stand by to see if the Cullens will solve the problem for them. So Edward and his family find themselves in an unlikely alliance with Jacob and the other werewolves. Friend-zoned Jacob checks in on Bella constantly, just in case she's come to her senses and realized she actually loves him. <laughs> Although they can't stand one another, Edward and Jacob are united on one thing that the men in her life should tell Bella what she should do instead of letting her make decisions for herself. Here, here. <laughs> also, Rosalie is a really sympathetic character in this movie. <laughs> is Jasper? <laughs> Are you just going to pretend Jasper's background story doesn't give him sympathy? <laughs> well, we talked more about Rosalie in our, our conversation as we watched the movie. We did. So that, that's my summary. <laughs> I love it. Great job. I know when we did New Moon, we talked about positives first, and then we moved into things we didn't like. We could do that this time, but I, I don't know. I feel like we should just have a general discussion. What do you think? It's a free-for-all. It's a free-for-all. Uh, the I don't... Like, let's just get right into it. Let's get into Bella, because... Edward certainly isn't. <laughs> much to Bella's chagrin. Yeah, let's talk about Bella, because this movie makes it clear more than ever before the extent to which Bella is a helpless character, right? And in the Twilight, in New Moon, you and I talked about, like, where's this girl's agency? She's the hero of the story. She's supposed to be the main character, the strong female lead, and she can't make a decision for herself for shit, and she's a terrible role model. This movie, I think, <laughs> makes it even more so. It's almost hilarious how helpless she is. So the men in her life, like Edward and Jacob... They don't agree on anything, but the one thing they do agree on is that Bella's helpless and she she needs to be taken care of by them. And, and she doesn't know what's good for her, right? Yeah. <laughs> to the point where like at one point, you know, before the battle, Jacob has to carry her to her safety area. Like she can't even walk by herself anymore. <laughs> she has to be carried and her scent can't, has to be She masked. can't keep herself warm by herself anymore on the cold winter's nights. You know, so Jacob... Have you watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Uh, yes, but not like, you know, closely, like in the background. Yeah. So Jacob reminds me of Teddy, Amy's uh, one-time boyfriend. <laughs> and so towards the end of the series, Teddy pops up again and he keeps propositioning Amy all the time. And it's, he's always <laughs> just like, just checking, you know. Uh, and every time it seems like he's moved on with his life, he always comes back. You know, he's like married or whatever, but he's like, just checking if you'll marry me. Um, <laughs> and I feel like that is Jacob's MO in this movie. It's it's like he's pretending like he's moved on. But the moment he and Bella are alone anytime in this movie, he's just like, are you sure you don't want to kiss me? Are you sure you don't have feelings for me? You know, if you suddenly told me you had feelings for, for me, I'd be cool with that. Oh, my God. I know. It's almost it's borderlining abusive the way he's treating her, right? Like, J Jacob, you're not her boyfriend, number one. But number two, even if you were, like, you're, t you're trying to tell Bella what she's feeling. Like, Bella keeps saying over and over again, like, no, 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 I love Edward, Edward's the one. And he's like, 
nah, like you, no, like you feel something for me to the point where he literally pushes himself on her and kisses her without her permission. You and I talked about how Bella gave him mixed signals, right? Because you and I were saying like, he's not quite a new, a nice guy in the way that Xander Harris would be because Bella did uh, lean into a possibility of having a relationship with him or having feelings with him at one point. So on one hand for Jacob, it's like, I get where he has hope, but at the same time, he's so pushy in this movie. And I used to be team Jacob and I can't be anymore when I watch this particular film because he's so whiny. <laughs> well, it's so clear to me that uh, Stephanie, I'm going to blame Stephanie Meyer for this. I know she didn't write the movies, but like, you know, she wants Edward and Bella to be together. Mm-hmm. Like she's shipping them like some people ship Buffy and Angel. And it's like Jacob has only ever been there as the alternative love interest, at, you know, as the wrench, the spanner in the works. He was never going to be a legitimate like contender for Bella's love. And I think the movie, I think Eclipse really crystallizes that because as much as Bella didn't treat Jacob very well in New Moon, in this movie, like Jacob has this whole other life going on. He and Bella don't have any conversations that don't involve werewolf stuff or vampire stuff or, you know, unrequited love stuff, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. I I think that's what I missed in this movie. Uh, Even with Bella's like, I don't know what you call it, like mortal friends, right? Like Jessica, love Jessica. Mm-hmm. Um, like, where's the girl talk? Where is, like, like, Bella has no other, like, actual friends, which is a problem. I mean, Alice gives her an assist and gets her a house alone with Edward for one night so they can possibly bang. <laughs> but so I guess there's a little bit of girl code there. Al- Alice is doing her best, but Alice but Alice can't be, like, the friend that Bella needs because Alice is, is part of this, right? And she's also <laughs> yeah. Edward's... Uh, sister and stuff so you know I just I feel like Bella needs somebody on her side who's not part of this mess I agree and can we talk about so yeah we just talked a little bit about Bella and Jacob and their dynamic when Bella kisses Jacob at the end of the movie before the big battle what did you think I think it was a pity kiss (sighs) well I want to I want to remind you what you were saying after that happened because remember Jacob was pissed because he found out Bella was engaged so he was going to run into the battle and probably die so she makes out with him to keep him alive or something and you after that happened you were just sitting there going oh Bella 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 like you just kept saying it over and over again so walk me through your process I think she's sending him mixed messages (laughs) yes Yes. you know it's like yeah, because she didn't want him to go off and, like, do something to to get himself killed because he's like, well, you know, my life has no meaning. So she's like, I'm going to give Jacob some hope. But it's false hope. <laughs> but this is what I'm talking about, right? Like, it, this is supposed to be an epic love story, but these people are, like, 17, 18 years old at this point. They've barely lived. Um, it, it's It's hard. It's hard for me to take this as seriously as the movie wants me to take it. Which is sad, and I think that's one of the problems that this movie might have compared to the other two. Because remember the other two, we were saying, they take Bella's feelings seriously. They take, you know, they, they take the whole journey and the story seriously. They're not belittling teenage girls' feelings. 
and they're not trivializing it. But in this movie, they do a little bit. Um, this movie is actually quite funny. It's got funnier lines and it's actually self-deprecating humor a lot of the time. At one point, Edward says that Jacob, like, Jacob shows up without his shirt on and Edward's like, does he ever wear a shirt? So, but it, why are you jealous, Edward? Because you are a sparkling immortal creature whose abs have been chiseled from alabaster. Jacob has to work for those abs, right? Yeah. And Jacob has to show Bella every asset that he has because he's already losing the match, you know? So he has to show up shirtless. And Jacob's going to grow old. No, he's not. Because when you're a werewolf, you stay the same age as well. Oh, you... So all the... But all the werewolves... So all the werewolves are immortal as well? Yes. If you if you can become a, a werewolf, you stay immortal. But they also have kids? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so why aren't there like 5,000 werewolves running around? Um... I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. This movie doesn't make sense. I hate it. Uh, Yeah. (sighs) So the love triangle, what we're getting at is there's a love triangle here. This movie jacks it up to one million because, you know, we got a little bit of it in the second movie. But in this one, it's all about that tasty, tasty love triangle. And while you and I were watching the movie, I remember I was saying to you, I was just like... I, I cannot fathom a love tri- triangle that surrounds this this piece of bread of a character, this cardboard box that is Bella, you know, because we there's one scene near the beginning where she's talking to Charlie and Charlie's animated. Charlie's talking to her about, you know, you're grounded and now you can be free. And you said, you're like, look at her. She's not moving. She's a robot. <laughs> she doesn't emote. I don't, I'm not. I'm not saying anything against Kristen Stewart's performance. I actually think she's doing the best she can do with what the material is giving her. Bella isn't an interesting character, so the fact that wars are started by her. <laughs> I, I believe I men... said when we were. I believe I said when we were watching the movie, Bella is the Riley of this series. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and we need to address the true character the true protagonist of eclipse and that's bella's virginity because oh my god <laughs> because it is on everyone's mind in this movie um charlie talks about it alice alludes to it bella and edward talk about it a lot jacob's worried about it like everybody's very very cautious around bella's virginity and bella doesn't want her virginity anymore all right bella wants edward to do her And Edward's like, nah. (laughs) So I wonder, because you know how Edward's saying, like, first he says, you got to marry me first before I bone you. Mm -hmm. I wonder, though, if he was, could he have lied? Imagine, like, he, so she marries him. And then he's like, "Mm, you got to graduate university before I bone you. So she graduates (sighs) university. Then he's like, you got to get through med school first. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, he could push that a lot. I need to make sure you could support me, Bella. (laughs) exactly (laughs) i'm an expensive trophy vampire husband (laughs) so he could have really played that card for a very long time but he didn't no he gave it up too easily such a slut i i'm sad there wasn't as much jessica Mm. uh you know i i I love anna kendrick i feel like i need to watch pitch perfect now because i just i want more anna kendrick in my life victoria she doesn't have much to do in this movie. Like, she's the overarching antagonist of the series at this point, right? And 
I I get her gripe with Bella and Edward and the Collins now, and I I think her plan of creating this army of super strong fledgling vampires is you know it's a halfway decent plan, but she she's barely in this movie. She just keeps showing up once in a while, being like, "So how's the plan going?" And her minion is like, "It's going great. It's going great." Uh, and then she's like, "Great, unleash the army." And it's like, "Okay." Um, I don't know. I I wish that she had. I would have loved to see like maybe like more confrontation directly between her and Bella or Edward. Some more like banter or something. Yeah, and like the whole point was that she stayed out of the action, right? That's how she stays out of Alice's visions. But you're like you're saying, well, that doesn't make a really great movie because we want to see this feisty redhead. You and I were laughing because at one point they're like who was in Bella's room? And like, by the way, her minion's name is Riley, which is hilarious. Um, Who could have been in Bella's room? Who could be orchestrating all these newborns? And you and I were like, Victoria? (laughs) Like, I I haven't even watched these movies very closely. And I'm like, I know it's Victoria. Right? You you have two enemies, the Volturi, (laughs) who aren't really their frenemies. And then you have Victoria. So like, who else would want to do this? I mean, and the Volturi, if they wanted to kill Bella and Edward, they wouldn't be so clumsy about it. No, they would just kill him. They would just go in there and kill him. Frankly, I'm, I'm praying for that at this point. <laughs> I don't like Bryce Dallas Howard. I don't I don't care. I don't care. I just I, I've never enjoyed her acting or her. So why they had to replace the original actress with her? I'm not sure. Like maybe they just wanted more star power in the movie. But I think out of all the acting, all the underacting that's happening in this film from Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart, I think Bryce Dallas Howard overacted her role. <laughs> like, I think she was too much. Do you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. That being said, like you said, you miss Jessica. I want more Dakota Fanning. Yeah, the Volturi presence in this movie was very um, superfluous. And I agree with you. I think they they could have probably spun something more out of that. And maybe they did at one point. Maybe that was cut um, because the movie was running too long or something. Because it feels like they should have had more to do. Mm -hmm. One thing I really liked about the movie, and I think you said this earlier, but like it was building up to this action sequence. I liked how um, the werewolves and the vampires had to work together. Yeah, that's always a good trope. Yeah, the unlikely allies. Um, and there's the training scene with uh, Jasper uh, <laughs> yeah. leading the training. Um, yeah. uh, he he gets to do some fighting with Alice. It's always good to watch Alice let loose. And um, it was just nice to have like the wolves there. And I, I think my favorite moments in this movie were the moments that weren't directly related to the plot. And it was just like these character moments of just like, you know, watching the werewolves be like bitchy around the vampires or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Like the animosity between the two sides, the war. Uh, they had a lot of flashbacks in this movie too, which I always found interesting as well. Anything that takes you away from the triangle is quite well, fun to watch. And, and the whole thing where it's like Bella, you like the whole reason that story, the flashback story is told is because it's foreshadowing so that it can give Bella the idea for what to do in the climax, right? And it's like, why do you have to stab yourself in the gut, Bella? Why don't you just, like, cut your wrist, like, cut your palm or something and hold it up to the vampires? Mm -hmm. And what is with newborn vampires being the strongest ever? Doesn't that suck? That's the stupidest thing ever. I've always had a gripe with that. 
That doesn't make any sense. Obviously, the vampires that have been around for hundreds of years should arguably be the strongest, smartest, fastest. Like a newborn, they're just saying that they're they're better because they're wild. Like their bloodlust is out of control and it makes them stronger. And I'm like, why? It would have been cooler if Victoria had turned a whole bunch of people, but then she was like secretly training them. Like actually like giving them like tips and stuff. So they weren't just out of control, lusty vampires. They're like, you know, they're like, we are Victoria's children and we're, you know, uh, we obey our mother. (laughs) (laughs) Or, or, Or what if she did what Arrow does from the Volturi and only changed people that would have had abilities? when they were vampires, mm. right? Then you get like a cooler fight that way. Yeah, but no, but that's, that's what I mean. Like this, I like this movie out of the other two because it had, it has the, the wolf and vampire practice fight scene. It has the flashbacks and it has that battle at the end, which is the biggest battle we've gotten in this series so far. And it is pretty well done overall. Yeah. Also, if they're so concerned about Alice seeing everything coming, why don't they just have somebody kill Alice first? she would see it coming (laughs) i don't i don't buy this whole idea that alice alice's power is the end game right like i understand that it's powerful and you have to sort of think ahead of that but there are ways to foil precognitive powers yeah um i just don't think stephanie meyer is smart enough to think that through <laughs> so that's what i think that's fair <laughs> and i think honestly i sometimes i think um these fantasy writers in a way i, I feel this way a little bit about susan collins for hunger games that mm. like sometimes their stories get too big for mm-hmm. for them and that's not that's not necessarily their fault it's just that when you're world building like that you you, you can't keep up sometimes you've built too big a world you're <laughs> you flew too close to the sun <laughs> you know um Let's talk about the two flashback scenes because I, I oh no there's three there's the 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 one from the Quillet uh, tribe or nation, mm-hmm. and then there's Jasper's where we learn mm-hmm. about why he's an expert on newborn training in war, and he was a Confederate soldier. <laughs> it's always the Confederate soldiers, right? <laughs> yeah, you and I were like, why are they always Confederates? Why are they never on the other side? <laughs> um, yeah, and how he was turned, and then you know true love set him free i don't know and then we have rosalie's backstory so if i have to rank them i would say i like rosalie's the best even though it's problematic and you and i can talk about that then i like jasper's because it is interesting to like learn i i just always think a vampire backstory is interesting i want alice's i want esme's i like i know from the books but you 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 want to see them right and then third place i would put the the werewolf origins well again you know once again like both the book and the movies kind of like are mining uh tropes from various indigenous stories and traditions turning them into fodder for this series mythology without really attempting to authentically represent quilu traditions and stories so yeah i agree with you that 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 story is as we were discussing earlier it really just exists for plot purposes um it's not there to build like characters backstories like jasper and rosalie's are and yeah it's just the whole thing about like you know these characters are technically indigenous but we're really not going to represent them properly they're also just cool werewolves mm-hmm. yeah and like i do want to give stephanie meyer like a little bit of a thumbs up in in that 
for the first couple books or the first two movies, whatever, she was like, the most interesting thing about these characters, the, the Collins, let's say, is that they're vampires. That's how one-dimensional they are, right? Like, they're, they're vampires. Oh, Jasper has a problem with blood more than Rosalie. Ro- Rosalie's a bitch. That's that's how they are. So whenever you give a vampire a backstory, for better or for worse, it is an attempt to give them more development. You and I had a lot to say about Rosalie's because Rosalie has a very tragic backstory and that falls right into fiction that likes to use rape as a plot tool and the rape trope for um, a woman who has to get revenge because she was sexually assaulted. Yeah, so I think if I recall correctly, what I said to you at the time when, when we were watching this was, again, this is a very kind of Stephanie Meyer kind of mindset, I think, of like, for female characters to be interesting and tragic, they have to have a sexual assault story in their back backstory, right? And I, I understand that that is the sad truth for many women in our society. You know, I, I, a lot of women are survivors. But I, th- I think it, it says something interesting and problematic about authors and about our media that this plot device and this trope is so prevalent. It's like, well, if you want to feel sympathy with a woman who's done terrible things, you got to make her a survivor because otherwise, you know, we can't justify her doing terrible things. Whereas stories revolving around male characters always ask us to sympathize with male characters doing terrible shit. And we're just supposed to sympathize with them because it looks cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about like Kill Bill, right? Like the whole plot of Kill Bill is a revenge fantasy. But this woman has been subjected to so many terrible things in order to justify her revenge fantasy. Mm-hmm. And then you see, you know, movies with male leads uh, where it's like what they've gone through is relatively tame compared to that. Uh, and we're just supposed to go along with it because it's cool for men to be action heroes. Yeah, yeah. That's a good angle to look at it for sure. I like Rosalie's backstory. I like how they depict it in the in the movie. And because I find it, it's just fascinating to watch. And like when she gets her red eyes and she's in her bride costume, right? That's like a visual a visual mm-hmm. feast for you to look at. And it's different I, from the I movie. I thought the costuming in this movie was good in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so in that regard, I want to say that's why Rosalie's background is and her flashback is my favorite. But like you said, Cara, like there's there's a problem when you have a one-dimensional character like Rosalie and the only way the author could really see a way of humanizing her was to make her get gang raped and then murdered by her fiance. And that's something that happens in a lot of TV shows and a lot of movies, right? Where think about Rosalie as a character in the first two movies, like she's callous and she's clearly supposed to be like selfish. And um, I think Edward describes her as having a lot of tenacity, which is another way of saying she's a bitch. (laughs) So that's one way we looked at her. And then in this movie, we get that flashback. And when she was a human, she was vapid, right? Like they made her seem like she had all these typical feminine traits of like a white woman in society who just wanted to get married and have babies. That was her purpose. That's what she wanted. So then she she has to be raped and brutalized by this group of men for her to turn into this murderous fiend, this, this, this demon. Right. And then she found love and everything was good. Mm -hmm. I like that she got a backstory, but 
it is kind of a shame to me that it had to be like this type of violent backstory, this type of violence against her body and her feminine traits that were demonized for just being feminine before she was allowed to be violent. Yeah. Speaking of violent backstories, what do we think about Jasper? Jasper. Um, <laughs> I'm like muddled with like my actual thoughts on Jasper. I, I think it's fine. I think it's a little bit generic in the sense of like, as we were just talking about, right? Like so many Confederate soldiers floating around in these stories yeah. reminded me of True Blood. I, I think it's good because it reminds us that Jasper, because the problem with the Collins is they're like so anachronistic, right? Like they're a century, a couple centuries old, some of them, but they're posing as like high school students. Mm -hmm. um, so it reminds us that like Jasper has like, he, he had like this whole other life verging upon adulthood. Then he became a vampire. And then, you know, he was like almost like abused as a newborn vampire. Yeah, so that's where I'm getting like a little tongue-tied because I'm like, he was abused and manipulated and used, just like Riley is being used by Victoria, and that's the parallel here. I don't know. Like, it's it's hard. It's like, do I feel sorry for him? Not really. <laughs> um, what is interesting about the backstory is that clearly he had a purpose when he was a vampire. The Collins don't have any purpose besides Carlisle, who is a doctor. Uh, they all just stay very still, right? They go to high school over and over again. They stay with the same people for eternity and they stay together. And that's what they do. But it, it's interesting to see a character like Jasper who had a whole life before he met Alice and then the, the two of them found the Collins. So I think this is our first real look at a vampire who had a different kind of job like he had a he had a purpose he was he was um a newborn army creator and i think that's interesting. can you so can you remind me i don't know if the movies ever fully explain this i don't remember if it's in the books what's the deal with vampires having powers and like do the powers manifest after they become a vampire do they manifest before <laughs> I think it depends on the person. So some people have, like, like for example, Bella right now is human and no one can read her thoughts. Like some vampires can't affect her. So the clearly, they call her a shield later on. Like clearly she has some sort of ability as a human that's only going to get enhanced when you're a vampire. And that's not everybody. Mm. Not everybody has that. But some vampires probably, like I think, um, I don't know where it says this in the books but um edward suspects that charlie is also si uh, somewhat of a shield because it's hard for him to read charlie's thoughts more so than let's say jessica's interesting mm -hmm. anything else to bring up about eclipse it's hard when it's the middle movie you know what i'm saying like this is like the middle one we got two left that are one book i mean this is the last book that I read. I never read Breaking Dawn. So Ooh. I know kind of, I know the big plot points in Breaking Dawn. I know about what happens with Bella and Edward and they didn't wrap it before they tapped it. And, um, <laughs> you know, so I know about, all about that. But yeah, I, I haven't read the book. So I, I think the next two movies will be a surprise. I don't know when we'll watch them. <laughs> um, I want to 
end this off with with a little discussion about Edward because we haven't talked about him that much yet. I sure. realize in this movie always because the first two are like, what am I watching? When I watch this movie, I always am reminded that like I don't mind Robert Pattinson's portrayal of Edward at all. I think he's super hot in this movie. I think that he plays it with a more charm than he has in the past because uh, clearly Bella's blood doesn't bother him anymore. He's just kind of chilling at this point. Uh, you might recall one of my major critiques of New Moon was there wasn't enough Edward in that movie. I do recall. Which felt, I felt dirty <laughs> saying that. Okay, but it's in this movie that he solidifies why I turned to Team Edward. Because remember earlier I was mad because Jacob kissed Bella without her consent and it was really brutal. And then he kind of like plays it off later right like he, like charlie asks him what he did and he's kind of just like it was a misunderstanding but it wasn't jacob you sexually assaulted her so i love when edward confronts jacob and he says you know take my advice or whatever wait till she says the words right and i'm like that's my consent king right there <laughs> you know what i mean so i think this is the movie where i'm like you know what bella's not good for either of them in my opinion but i i do think that Robert Pattinson slash Edward do the best they can in this film. And that's the best I can say about it. Yeah, I mean, I like I like Robert Pattinson's performance because I think you mentioned this earlier. He, like, matches Kristen Stewart's lack of intensity. <laughs> They're both quite mellow, aren't they? <laughs> yes. Um, the scenes between them are interesting because... Like, the way the film is shot, you know, when they're hanging out in the daylight in the field and stuff, and it's all, like, super overexposed and incredibly bright. Um, like, I, I just, I like how he he's really trying hard to show that Edward is into Bella and kind of obsessed with her. Um, but he also, I think he really pulls off the kind of the coolness of a vampire, right? And, and somebody who is 100 years old, and he's like... Uh, um, you you can really see the difference in his age versus Bella's experiences because Bella is just like I'm ready to go like turn me you know then we'll get married and you know then we can have all the sex we want sex 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 because <laughs> she's a sex obsessed 18 year old um, but she's like I don't have to wait she's like I've never I'm never gonna be normal Edward you know because he's all about like well what if you change your mind afterwards and you hate me which I I, I think is like Legit? a really yeah it's a really reasonable thing for him to be afraid of yeah um much more so than in the previous movie where he's like well i don't want to condemn your soul to hell because it's like yeah but the whole point of making her a vampire she's not gonna die like you guys are almost unkillable how long have you been trying to kill victoria like sometimes they're porcelain dolls sometimes they're unkillable it's hard to say <laughs> Right? Like, I know you're scared about the fate of your immortal soul, Edward, but it sounds like that's not going to be a problem for several hundred years. <laughs> okay, but he lets he lets Bella get get to almost second base with him in this movie. <laughs> well, so. that's the, yeah, that's the other thing is this this movie continues to be incredibly chaste in general, and it's just <laughs> the like abstinence is pushed. <laughs> I don't, it's very fascinating, especially the. I don't know if you noticed this, but it feels like. I don't know if people just got super horny during the pandemic, but it feels like the last couple of years, TV has become incredibly sexual um, and much more explicit. Mm -hmm. I'd be very curious, like, if they were to remake Twilight now, 
um, despite, you know, the source material, do you think they would sex it up more? I don't think so, because unless, unless, yeah, they deviate from the source material, but the source material is chaste, right? And like, you know, minor spoiler, but even when they get married and have sex, it's chaste. <laughs> Edward changes his mind like immediately. So I don't know. I, a, a part of me actually feels weird about the abstinence of Edward. So Bella tries to push it too far when she stays over at his house and he stops her and he explains, right? Like in my time, I would have, in the 1900, I would have courted you and I would have asked your father for your hand and we would have had like an eight month engagement and then, then we would have banked or I would have kissed you once or twice and then we would have banked. And a part of me was like, is he calling Bella a slut? <laughs> like a modern day slut. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, what makes it uncomfortable for me is more so the message that women's sexual desire is not compatible when, when it comes to love, you know, like it's like love conquers your sexual desire. And that's obviously the religion that the author follows. And in making Bella the person who really wants it and Edward the one to be like, nah, nah, nah. And all the all the little girls that are liking the story are like, Edward, <laughs> Like Edward doesn't want, he wants to wait for marriage where I'm like, no, marriage at 18 is not the answer. <laughs> wait until you're at least 29 years old with a solid <laughs> retirement plan and like a down payment before you get married, please. I mean, but that that's what the series is trying to say, right? Is, is it's the solution to being horny as a teenager is just get married young. <laughs> no, that's what I mean. So, so as much as I'm saying I like Edward, but like sometimes, like when I think really hard <laughs> about what he's saying and what he's representing, I'm like, oh no. <laughs> but I mean, really, I think it's Bella that pushes the wedding. I think she's the one that's like, I, I need your dick. <laughs> I'm so interested to see what happens when they get married. I assume that happens in the next movie. Yes. And I'm very curious to see what happens. Like, how does Charlie take this news? Also, I think you and I had a conversation when Bella goes to Phoenix to visit her mom. And it's like, she's doing this like farewell to her where it's like, oh, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to get to spend time. It's like, but Bella, the sun isn't going to hurt you when you become a vampire. If anything, you can suntan more because you're not going to get skin cancer. <laughs> yeah. The world is opening up to you, if anything. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm very, I'm very curious to see what Bella looks like as a vampire now. Good. I will say I always like her vampire look. I think she looks amazing. Uh, and she wears a lot of Aritzia. Yeah. You and I actually had more things to say about that when she went to go visit her mom, too, right? Because we were like... Bella, like, why now? Like, what? Like, go to school. Be human for a little bit longer. Why are you giving up every single thing that could potentially make you interesting to be because with Because she's, she's not like other girls. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. She's not like disgusting valedictorian Jessica. Right? That Jessica with a brain in her body? Who's like going to go to med school or some shit? Yeah. <laughs> like, no thanks. <laughs> She's never going to land an attractive boyfriend like Edward. I'd, I'd rather be carried through the forest to a tent where I'm going to freeze to death. 
Okay. Also, remember when we were watching that scene and like there are vibes between Edward and Jacob in that tent where he like they like touch each other <laughs> and and Jacob's like I I am hotter than you. I was like, you guys just broke back mountain it. Can you guys make out? <laughs> Could you imagine if Bella's like, do I need to leave? <laughs> Maybe Bella they just let her die. Out of the tent. <laughs> they let her die. <laughs> Because okay, honestly, if Edward and Jacob got together, I am sure. I am sure there is Jedward fanfic out there. There's a lot less drama because they're both immortal, <laughs> and it, that's the thruple of our dreams. They're both also stubborn AF, <laughs> but I mean that's also that's also the solution, right? Like, really, the solution here is just have a thruple. Yes. Right? It's it's all there in the tent, you guys. Like Bella, you can have both of them. <laughs> okay, but be greedy, no, girl. You're gonna this, be immortal. Okay, no, this is Twilight. There are only heterosexual relationships. There are only you can't all tell me. white relationships. You, you, you can't tell me that all of the Collins aren't fucking. <laughs> yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> that house just has to be orgy house all the time. Like that, I no. That house is changed. I am baby Ace Kara here, and I, and even I'm not that clueless. You get all those people, all the they're horny immortals living in a house <laughs> together. Trust me, in my head, in my fan fiction, in my canon, yes, you are right. They're always all banging, like they have like a little bang room that they have to book. <laughs> oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that when you're drinking your. <laughs> okay. But we have to remember the source material. We have to remember Stephanie Meyer, who uh, she basically says they all bang for six months straight on their wedding night, and then it, it appears they never touch again. <laughs> they just they just cuddle and they hold each other close when they're in danger, and that's what they do. And now instead of having sex with each other, they all protect Bella all the time. So yeah, it would make more sense for the thruple to happen, but that's just not going to happen unless you live in fan fiction world, which a lot of people do. Yeah, I'm sorry. I I think I broke myself there. Um, <laughs> I also wish I also wish we got more of like Esme in this this movie. I I think really a lot of what I'm learning as we talk about this movie is, and I mean this is just true of movie adaptations of books in general. Like the the supporting cast tends to get left out. You know, we got more of Rosalie and Jasper's backstory here, but. In general, the Cullens are just there to be supporting cast members. We don't learn as much about them. They're not as interesting on screen, even though I think they could be really interesting characters. Yeah, um, I agree. And like like we said earlier, every time it cuts away from the stupid triangle, the, th- the thruple that could have been, you and I are like, wow, this is so interesting. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, can we just have a version of Twilight that doesn't have Edward, Bella, or Jacob in it? <laughs> There was like that, you know, the big party scene after graduation where everyone's having, you know, it's a it's a PNC party as in pop and chips, um, but they're all partying at the Cullen's house and it's like sweet. But then, no, we're all like brought into the back room where they're talking about Victoria's war plan. And you're like, oh, I would love to spend more time with the high school kids. I also think it's great how like the high, like Jessica and all the others are so excited that they're finally going to the Colin house. Yeah, I've never been to your house. <laughs> they're like, but wouldn't you, if you got a chance to go to like this mysterious mansion, it'd be so fun. 
yeah, I don't know when we're going to watch the last two, Breaking Dawn Part 1 and 2. Um, I'm really excited to get to both of them because they're both incredibly different from each other. And I don't know what the hell. If we think this one was chatty, I don't know what you're going to think of this next one, Cara. <laughs> there nothing. So little happens. <laughs> maybe maybe we can watch them back to back. Maybe we can just like have a, mo- <gasps> a movie afternoon. Oh, what an excellent idea. Yep, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> Movie marathon. <laughs> we'll yeah. Um okay. Well, I think I think I'm ready to make a determination. I think you've convinced me, Steph, that this is better than the first movie. Mhm. So I think I agree with you that this is the the best of the 3 that we've watched so far. Uh-huh. I I'm I'm curious like honestly, you're having me reevaluate these movies. <laughs> I mean, well, no, sorry. I should say you're having me reevaluate this series. I've never seen the movies, so Well, so usually, like I said, I've watched these. I watch this saga like I don't know twice a year, probably. I always put it on in the background. It's just, it's just on. But when I watch it with you, and when you and I kind of break down each movie, and like this one in particularly, at the end of our watch and our discussion, I always have kind of start asking myself, "Why do I like this?" <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what what do I like about this? Um, it's fun. <laughs> Right, like at the end of the day, it's just it's just fantasy, and it's just it's just fun watching good-looking people be ridiculous because it's a ridiculous movie. It's a ridiculous concept, but I I invest, and I think it's just really entertaining to watch, especially for um, a woman. And I grow up, I grew up with the movies, I grew up with the books, so I enjoy as much as you and I critique it. I want, and it's also fun to make fun of movies, right? Like we're we're kind of doing this in the spirit of fan service in the sense of like i think our listeners enjoy us poking good-natured fun at these films there are certainly some very serious problematic issues in these movies but that's true of all media um i I don't think these movies are any worse than other like kind of big blockbuster hits and other movies inspired by books and young adult series and stuff you know i i think that when you put them in the the context of like contemporary films of that time they're fine you know (laughs) i i I, I think most movies of this era were similar in this kind of sense of like they want to appeal to the largest audience possible so they they kind of like take the the books they're based on and then kind of like paint on a few layers of blandness um you know and really kind of like had the edges out yeah um in such a way that fans of the book series still enjoy the movie series but also people who wouldn't read the books who don't want to get as into it still enjoy like this blockbuster action love story right so yeah and like you just said like the nostalgia right the nostalgia of that time period yeah so you know i i don't think i don't think uh, like, I recognize that for some people, Twilight was very formative, and therefore, if you if you view it as one of your favorite movie series, cool. Um, I'm not here to yuck your yum. I don't think many people would seriously defend this movie series as, like, being one of the greatest movie series of all time, right? Um, and that's why, like, when we come at these discussions, you know, we're going to talk about what we liked, we're going to talk about what we didn't like, but at the end of the day, we're just... We had fun watching a movie together. Yeah. At the end of the day, you put it on with your girlfriends and you just enjoy it. <laughs> that's all That's all we ask, right? And I, I am excited <laughs> for the next movie. I want Edward and Bella to finally fuck and get it over with hmm. so that 
we can hear about what a big disappointment it was. <laughs> <laughs> and Bella's going to be like, I've made a terrible mistake. I'm moving out. I'm going to, uh, I don't know, Paris to find myself. Like, <laughs> And Edward's like, well, you signed a prenup, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> That's the story we, we need and deserve. Uh, well, that was it, everybody. Again, um, we recorded this in January, but you will be hearing it at some point in May. So I hope everyone's well while Car and I are on break. Who knows when we'll be back with Breaking Dawn Part 1 and 2, but hopefully soon, and hopefully we'll see everybody soon as well. And thank you to our Buy Me A Coffee supporters, uh, which at the time of the recording, we have our current chosen oh, yeah. ones. <laughs> Emma, Taza, Kyle, Destiny, Erica, Allison, Jace, Haley, and Tasha. Lizzie, Holly, Kayla, Brady, Jordan, Lena, Julian, Nicola, and Louise. Ta-ta for now. Bye. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can't afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join us in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook prophecy underscore girls on twitter also email us at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website prophecygirls.ca where you can find the link to our discord can't wait to hear from you praise malik see you next week